السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما كتاب الصلاة أبواب سترة المصلي So we were learning about the sutra and I have to say I have never received as many questions as I did with regards to our previous class because the matter of the sutra seems to be new for many people or it's an issue which is not spoken of that much so there's a bit of confusion amongst us so let's do a quick review of what we've studied so far and that inshallah will continue and i assure you your questions will be answered inshallah as we study every masala so sutra what is a sutra a sutra is a barrier a shield that is placed between the musalli and the rest of the world Okay, so basically, the sutra is an object or something that is placed before him. Why? So that it can be as a screen, so that he is not distracted, and others can pass easily from beyond the sutra. Is sutra wajib, or is it mustahab, or it doesn't make a difference whether you have it or not? What's the ruling concerning the sutra? Yes, there is difference of opinion. Some scholars said that it is wajib and others said that it is mustahab. And those who say that it is wajib, what's their evidence? What's their evidence? Yes, because the Prophet ﷺ, most of the time he had a sutra in front of him. And there are many statements from which we learn that the Prophet ﷺ advised the people that they should have a sutra in front of them. And there is another hadith in which we learn that the Prophet ﷺ, he once prayed in a desert and there was no sutra in front of him. He prayed in a desert, in an open place, open area, and there was no sutra in front of him. So because of this hadith, this is in Abu Dawud by the way, from this hadith, the scholars, the majority of them, they say that the sutra is sunnah. Okay, it is sunnah. Alright? And in some situations, it is mandatory on the person to have it. And in other situations, it's better. And in other situations it really doesn't make much of a difference. So for instance, if you are praying in a very busy masjid, in that place, it is necessary that you have a sutra before you. Because otherwise, you know, it will become difficult for the people. In your house, where let's say there are children or there are people, then in that situation, it's better to have a sutra in front of you. And if you're alone at home, the doors are closed, nobody's there, then in that situation, it really doesn't make a difference. Like for example, the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed in the desert, open place. Those who were with him were praying behind him. And there wasn't any chance of anyone passing in front of him. So he didn't have a sutra in front of him. Then we also learned that the sutra of the imam is the sutra of those who are praying behind him, meaning it suffices. Then we also learned about the distance that should be there between the musalli and the sutra. What is that distance? From the place of his sajda to the sutra, there should be a distance that a sheep can easily pass by. Inshallah, we will learn more about this issue. The height of the sutra, what did we learn about that? That it should be about one forearm. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed uh, facing a spear, a short spear, different objects. But we also learned that if someone has something very, very small, then that will also serve as a sutra, if that is the only thing that he has. Then we also learned that in Makkah and elsewhere, the rulings of the sutra apply. Then we also learned about taking a pillar as a sutra. right? And from this, you can also take a wall as a sutra because that is what the Prophet ﷺ did. Then we learned about praying between the pillars. Praying between the pillars. Now, how is this related to the sutra? You see, the thing is that in Sahih Bukhari, you will see that in a certain kitab, okay, certain abwab are grouped together. So for example, over here we're learning about the abwab which are about sutra. But it doesn't mean that every single bab is directly related to sutra. This is, you can say, an extension of the previous bab. In the previous bab, we learned taking the pillar as a sutra. Now when it comes to the issue of taking the pillar as a sutra, Imam Bukhari is further explaining that it's not necessary to always face a pillar. You can also pray between the pillars if there is a need to do that. So this is like an extension of that. Okay, It's not directly related to sutra. 
So, and this also proves to us that if you can pray between pillars, that means that there is no sutra directly in front of you. Okay? There is no sutra directly in front of you because it's possible that the wall is kind of far. So this proves that having a sutra in front of you is not mandatory. It's better, but it's not mandatory. Alright? So this is indirectly connected. So inshallah, we'll begin from Bab As-Salati ila Rahilati wal-Ba'iri wal-Shajari wal-Rahli. Bab As-Salati ila Rahilati wal-Ba'iri wal-Shajari wal-Rahli. As-Salat praying, meaning performing the Salat, ila towards while a person is facing Ar-Rahila, a she-camel. Wal-Ba'ir and the camel, wal-Shajar and a tree, wal-Rahl and a saddle. Rahila is a camel that is fit for riding, that is suitable for riding. And such that it is big enough or strong enough that a saddle can be put on it. Because all camels are not like that. Some camels are small. So Rahila in particular is such a camel that is suitable for placing a saddle on in order to ride it. So if a person has a Rahila, can they pray towards that Rahila? If a person has a Ba'ir, just a camel, it's not a riding animal, just a camel, can they pray facing that? Shajar, tree, can they pray facing that? Rahl, saddle, meaning that which is placed on top of a camel in order to sit on. Can you pray facing that? Haddathana Muhammad ibn Abi Bakrin al-Muqaddamiyu. Haddathana Mu'tamirun an Ubaidillah, an Nafi'in, an Ibn Umara, an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Annahu, that indeed he, kana he used to, yu'arridu. He used to place sideways. What? Rahilatahu, his camel, his riding animal, camel in particular, meaning he used to make it sit sideways. His camel, he would make it sit sideways, and then فَيُصَلِّي إِلَيْهَا Then he would pray towards it, as if he was taking the camel as a sutra. قُلْتُ I said, أَفَرَأَيْتَ Did you ever think about it? That إِذَا هَبَّتِ rikab, When هَبَّتْ It got frightened, it got startled, الرِّكَاب The riding animal, meaning what if the camel is too afraid or too startled and it's refusing to sit down in that particular direction? Then what would the Prophet ﷺ do? Or what if he was praying and the camel got startled and got up and walked away? That happens because sometimes animals, they get startled by some movement. And sometimes they become stubborn as well. You can't force them to do certain things. So what if a camel gets startled and as a result refuses to sit in that position, in that place, then what would he do? Qala, he said, كَانَ يَأْخُذُ He would take هَذَا rahla, This rahl, meaning the saddle. He would take the saddle of the camel. فَيُعَدِّلُهُ Then he would set it up. فَيُصَلِّ Then he would pray إِلَىٰ آخِرَتِهِ Towards its end. Meaning the end of it, the end of the saddle would be in front of him. أو قال مؤخره, or he said مؤخره, it's back. Meaning the back of the saddle. He would take that as a sutra. وكان ابن عمر and ابن عمر رضي الله عنه يفعله, he would also do the same thing. So what do we see in this hadith? There are many, many lessons. First of all, we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he would take the camel as his sutra. And secondly, we see that if that camel would not be there, if it would get startled, he would take the saddle as a sutra. So from this, the scholars derived the minimum height of the sutra. From what? The fact that the Prophet ﷺ took the saddle as the sutra, they said, okay, the minimum height of the sutra, width you know, there's no minimum maximum width. When it comes to the height, they said it should be the same as a saddle. Which saddle? Of a camel. And that is how much. Because the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith in Muslim, we learn that someone asked him about the height of the sutra and he said, like the back of a saddle. Hmm? Like the back of a saddle. And you can Google uh, images of camel saddle. Here I have a picture for you. You can see it. This is an ancient style of a camel saddle. So basically this is placed over the camel and a person sits between. So this is the front and this is the back. Okay. And the Prophet ﷺ would pray facing the saddle, the back of it. So this means that the height of the sutra should be at least this much. Okay? How much is that height? The ulama, they said that it should be, some said one dirah and others said three dirah. Dirah is how much? 
like we discussed earlier, forearm, which is two-thirds of a cubit. A cubit is 44 centimeters, okay? So two-thirds of it would be 30 centimeters, so your average ruler, okay? This is 30 centimeters. If you think about it, this is approximately the length of your forearm, almost, okay? Approximately. So 30 centimeters, this is what some scholars said, that it has to be minimum one dirar, or approximately 30 centimeters, okay? That's what they said. But remember that if a person does not have that available in front of him, then something something shorter than that is also permissible because the Prophet ﷺ also took a short spare as a sutra. There's another hadith with regards to this in which we learn that the Prophet ﷺ also allowed taking, basically the Prophet ﷺ emphasized that a person should have a sutra between him and the people who are before him and if a person does not find anything, that he should draw a line. This hadith has been regarded weak by some scholars, but others said that it is not weak, it is hasan. So this shows that the sutra just needs to be a barrier, a visible barrier, meaning just anything that people can see from far, so that they know, okay, this person is praying, I should not walk between him and his sutra, I should walk from around the sutra, after the sutra. So even if you have, let's say, a bag in front of you, it may not be 30 centimeters, it may be shorter than that, but it's a visible sutra. Right? It's a visible sutra. So that should suffice. Another uh, lesson that we learn in this hadith is about the fact that if there's an animal sitting in front of someone, that animal can also be taken as a sutra. Because the Prophet ﷺ took his camel as a sutra. Now, You know, the first question that comes to your mind is, but how can there be an animal in front of you? Isn't that like worshipping an animal? No. Because إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ The musalli is not praying to that camel. He's praying to Allah. That camel he places in front of him because there are many benefits to that. First of all, the person who's praying, he is concealed from the rest of the people. So there is a barrier. Okay, He won't be distracted by who's coming, who's going, what's happening. And secondly, it's also comforting for the animal. Because if an animal is left just like that in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden strangers come by, then they get startled. That the person who is praying, the owner of that animal, even he will have peace of mind that, okay, my animal is right here. Okay, It's right here. So just like that, you have your bag. It's not that big. However, you place it in front of you. Double benefit. Sutra and peace of mind that my bag is here. If you put it behind you, you don't know where it's going to end up. If it's going to be there still after you're done with your salah. So there is double benefit in that. So remember that this is not shirk. Now the question is which animal can be taken as a sutra? Okay, And also that we learn in a hadith that once a lamb tried to pass by in front of the Prophet ﷺ when he was praying and he didn't allow. He moved forward until the lamb was forced to go from somewhere else. So that was a lamb. And here is a camel. He didn't let that lamb go by, but here is a camel sitting in front of him. Why? Because there is a difference between something sitting in front of you, someone sitting in front of you, and someone passing in front of you. Remember, this is a very important rule, which we will touch upon again afterwards. Someone sitting in front of you and someone passing in front of you. If a camel is just sitting there, it can be taken as a sutra. However, if a lamb passes in front of you, that is not correct. You should not let that camel walk by. You should not let that lamb walk by. Now, some scholars also said that if the animal is tahir, it is a clean animal, meaning you eat it, or its saliva is not najis, and it is sitting in front of you, it can be taken as a sutra. What if it passes in front of you? We learned that the Prophet ﷺ did not allow it to pass by. But what if it passes all of a sudden? Does it break your salah? No, it doesn't break your salah. Unless it's a dog. And inshallah we'll touch upon that afterwards. So for instance, if a person has a cat, and that cat walks by in front of you when you're praying, does that break your salah? No, it doesn't. It doesn't break your salah. Just like that, if there is some other animal that walks, that passes in front of you, does that break your salah? It doesn't break your salah. However, it doesn't mean that you let them pass freely. You should stop them. You should stop them. Why? 
because like I mentioned to you in a hadith that once the Prophet ﷺ, he was facing a wall okay, in salah and a lamb came and tried to pass in front of him and he kept pushing it back. He kept pushing it back until its belly was pushed up against the wall and then the lamb gave up and passed behind him. If you have to stop someone, there is going to be movement. So for example, you take a step forward or you extend your hand out, there is going to be movement. So what's the main lesson that we learn over here? The passing of an animal that doesn't break your prayer. However, you shouldn't let that happen. Why? Because as we will learn, this is from shaitan. If it's sitting beyond the place of sajda, that's okay. But if it's before that, that's not okay. You should move it to the side. And you will do that a couple of times and the cat will learn inshallah. That she's mentioning about her cat that from the time that it was a kitten, she trained it that every time it tried to come in front of her, she would stop it. And then now the cat doesn't come in front of her, but as soon as she says her salam, the cat comes to her. Bab as-salati ila sarir, Praying towards a bed. Meaning, is it okay to face the bed in salah or is it necessary to have a sutra between yourself and the bed? No. You don't need to have a sutra over there. What if somebody is lying down on the bed? Again, you don't need to have a sutra. Okay? Because there's a difference between someone sitting, someone lying down, and someone passing. So, as-salah ila sarir حدثنا عثمان بن أبي شيبة قال حدثنا جرير عن منصور عن إبراهيم عن الأسود عن عائشة قالت she said عائشة رضي الله عنها said أعدلتمونا did you equate us did you make us equal to بالقلب with the dog والحمار and the donkey لقد certainly رأيتني I saw myself meaning I I have seen this that I would be مضطجعة I would be lying down على السرير on the bed فَيَجِيءُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ would come. فَيَتَوَسَّطُ So he would face the middle of a sarir of the bed. فَيُصَلِّي And he would pray. So not the end, not the foot, not the head of the bed. No, he would be facing the middle of the bed. And who's lying on the bed? عَيْشَ رَضُ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا فَأَكْرَهُ So I would dislike and that أُسَنِّحَهُ That I would be in front of him. Meaning she didn't feel comfortable. فَأَنْسَلُّ So I would slip away مِنْ قِبَلِ رِجْلَيْ From the side of my feet, السَّرِيرِ Meaning from that side of the bed. So basically she would slip towards where her feet were on the bed. حَتَّى until أَنْسَلَّ I would slip مِنْ لِحَافِي From under my blanket. Meaning she would very quietly move towards the foot of the bed and then she would get off the bed from under her bed cover and she would go away then. in order to fulfill her need or because she didn't feel comfortable. But we see that the Prophet ﷺ knew that she would be lying down on the bed and still he would come and pray facing the bed. We know that room was not that big. But still, he could have woken her up. He could have gone to the masjid. How far was the masjid? It wasn't far at all. Literally next door. But he still prayed over there and that means that it is permissible. You don't have to have a sutra in front of you. Why? Because she was beyond the place of his sajda. And in other narrations we learn that sometimes her feet would be in the place of his sajda. And then he would nudge her and she would fold her legs in. Okay? But again, she is lying down. She's not walking around. Okay? There's a difference between lying down and walking around. Now, Aisha, her question, what does it mean? that do you equate us with dogs and donkeys? In a hadith we learn, which is in Sahih Muslim, which is the hadith of Abdullah bin As-Samit, that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, if any one of you stands up to pray, and then he has a sutra, if he has something the height of the back of a saddle in front of him, meaning he should do that. If he does not have something the height of the back of a saddle in front of him, then his prayer is invalidated if a donkey or a woman or a black dog passes in front of him. So the Sahabi, he asked that, what is it with the black dog? I mean, what if it's a red dog or a yellow dog? So he said, I asked the same question from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and he said, the black dog is a shaytan. I mentioned this whole hadith to you because it's necessary to understand. So when the, when Aisha, she heard that people are saying that if a woman passes in front of someone or a dog or a donkey, then their prayer is invalidated. She got very upset. And she said, you're making us equal to dogs and donkeys? 
Now, this matter has been a cause of great ikhtilaf amongst the scholars. And there are clear evidences on both sides. And there are multiple ways of understanding this. First of all, given that the companions who said what they said, they didn't say it out of their own accord. They said it because they heard the Prophet ﷺ saying this. Aisha anha, she may not have heard the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. She may not have known that the Prophet ﷺ said this. And this is a reason why perhaps she said what she said. Because if she found out that the Prophet ﷺ said it, you think she would say such a statement? No, she wouldn't. So we have to remember that a person may be unaware of something despite having a lot of knowledge. And just because they don't know about one issue or two issues doesn't mean that we disqualify them completely. No, they're a human being. They know about a lot, but there are certain things that they are completely unaware of, and that is perfectly fine. Secondly, some scholars have said that this was mansukh. What was abrogated? The statement of the Prophet ﷺ that a woman, a dog, a donkey, if they pass in front of someone, then that will nullify the prayer. This is mansukh. This is abrogated. Meaning this is what the Prophet ﷺ said at the beginning. However, later on we see that his own action was what? He was facing a woman in prayer. So this is abrogated. Meaning it's okay if a woman passes by in front of someone, a dog passes in front of them, a donkey passes in front of them, it will not abrogate their salah. However, uh, we can't just say something is abrogated until we have solid evidences for that. Then how do we understand this? Like I mentioned earlier, there's a difference between someone being in front of you and someone passing in front of you. When they pass... Okay, remember that they are shaitan. Why? Because shaitan has prompted them to do this. Why? In order to distract the musalli. In order to distract the person who is praying. So as a result, their prayer is nullified, it is broken. But their sitting there would not break the prayer. At Islam Q, it has mentioned that if a person prays facing someone who is opposite him, sitting or lying down, that does not affect him. Rather, what invalidates the prayer is if it passes in front of him from one side to another. Okay? If it passes in front of him. And this is obviously if they pass between them and the sutra or before the place of their sajda. If they pass after that place, that's not a problem. Or if they pass from behind the sutra, then that is not a problem at all. Now, one more thing that we can understand over here is that, remember, there are three things mentioned. Okay? Donkey, dog, and a woman. Donkey. Is it an unclean animal? No. It's not unclean. What does it eat? The same food as camels eat. Right? And at the beginning, it was even halal for consumption. Later on, it was made forbidden. Right? At the Battle of Khaybar. Remember that? The Muslims, they had prepared that meat and then the Prophet ﷺ told them. And then they threw away that meat. So, remember that donkey is not a najis animal. Dog. Is it najis? Of course, dog is najis. We learned about that earlier. Especially its saliva is najis. It is unclean. So then what's the resemblance? What's the similarity in the two? What is it? Remember, in a hadith we learned, the Prophet ﷺ said, when you hear the shout of a rooster, then ask Allah for his bounty, for indeed it saw an angel. And when you hear the braying of a donkey, then seek refuge with Allah from the shaitan, for indeed it saw a shaitan. In other hadith, when you hear the barking of dogs and braying of donkeys in the night, then seek refuge with Allah. For indeed, they see what you do not see. What did they see? Shaitan. So we see that shaitan has a direct influence on who? Donkey and dog. So this is why if a donkey is trying to run in front of you when you're praying, or a dog, especially a black one, then remember that shaitan has sent them. He has prompted them. He has incited them to this. Why? So that you are distracted from your prayer. Donkey and dog, okay, understandable. What about the woman? How do we understand this? Now remember that as for the woman, she's not evil in herself. But we know that she is a fitna for who? For the men. Not because she's evil. It's just that shaitan uses the woman to tempt the man. Right? In a hadith we learn, إِنَّ الْمَرْأَةَ تَقْبَلُ فِي صُورَةِ الشَّيْطَانِ وَتَدْبُرُ فِي صُورَةِ الشَّيْطَانِ That a woman approaches in the tempting form of a devil and moves away in the tempting form of a devil. Meaning, comes and goes 
and distracts a person from what they were doing just like shaitan does. So sometimes shaitan uses different creatures in order to distract people from what they're doing, in order to lead them astray. And sometimes it's also a woman. The problem is not with the woman. The problem is who? Shaitan. The problem is where? That the man, he forgot about his salah and he's thinking about the feet of that woman. Right? Or the fragrance of that woman. Or wondering who she was and what she was wearing. Or what she looked like. So he has been distracted from his prayer because of that woman. And as a result, the scholar said that his prayer is nullified. Also one more thing. The scholar said that it doesn't mean that the prayer is broken, is nullified. Rather what it means is that the reward of the prayer has been diminished. This is what some scholars interpreted this as. However, the strongest opinion is that it is nullified. And some also said that the salah, you can say that the completeness of the prayer is affected. This is just like if you're praying salah and you are constantly distracted by someone talking. So yes, it has affected the quality of your prayer. Okay, It has affected the completeness of your prayer. It has affected the reward of the prayer as a result. So just like that, if a woman passes in front of a man who is praying, and as a result he is distracted, then the quality of his prayer, the reward of his prayer is affected. So they say that it's not nullified, rather the reward is affected. However, many scholars, they disagree with that, saying that no, it is broken, it is nullified. But from this hadith, basically what do we learn? That Aisha anha, she is saying that she would be lying down on her bed and the Prophet ﷺ would come and pray facing her. Facing her. And this shows to us, first of all, the fact that a wife may lie down in front of her husband when he's praying. There's absolutely no harm in that, as long as she's not in the place of sajda. And if her feet have to be in the place of sajda, that's okay. When he's going in sajda, then he can nudge her and she can move her feet away. And this also shows the extreme respect that Aisha had for the Prophet ﷺ. That how she would slip away quietly. Hmm? Quietly. She's not getting up and walking away. No, she's slipping gradually, slowly, slowly towards her feet, and then she slips away. Why? Because she didn't want to distract the Prophet ﷺ from his salah. So we have to think about it too. When others are praying, how much do we regard their prayer? Or do we continue in our conversations or our noise and whatever that we are doing and completely disregarding the fact that the other person is trying to pray at that time? Bab يَرُدُّ الْمُصَلِّ مَنْ مَرَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ يَرُدُّ He should push away. Who? Al-Musalli, the one who is praying. Who should he push away? Man, whoever, marra he passed بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ in front of him. Meaning whoever that passes before him, what should the musalli do? He should stop him and if necessary, push him away. Meaning give him a message, a strong message that you should not walk in front of me when I'm praying. And notice that man marra. Man means whoever. So this means whoever that passes in front of you, you should stop them. Whether they are a human being or an animal. Okay. Sometimes even a toy. Like a toy car, if someone is, if a child is driving it and it's coming in front of you, prevent it. Stop it. Stop it. You should not let anything come in front of you. And it doesn't matter if the person is an adult or a child, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You as a musalli have to stop anyone who comes between you and your Lord. You should not look at the child and, you know, with your eyes tell them to go away. No. Because then they will expect communication from you through the eyes. Okay? You have to continue to look at the place of sajda, focus in your prayer and just use your hand to move them away or push them away. And sometimes it happens that children, they get confused at what's going on. Right? Just the other day I did that with my daughter because she's almost two years old, so I want to train her now that she should not come in front of me. So I held her hand and she got upset. She got really upset. But I remained firm. I held her hand. I made her stand next to me. I made her sit down, you know, one thing after the other, just so that she will learn, inshallah, that now she should not walk in front of me when I'm praying. At the beginning, it's difficult. People will, will get offended, actually. As we will learn in the hadith, that someone got so offended, they went and complained to the governor. So it will happen. And sometimes they're strangers, 
right? Who are passing in front of you. And when you stop them, they will get really offended. But it doesn't matter. You still have to stop them. And notice the word, بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ Before him. What does it mean by that? Meaning right before him, meaning between him and his sutra. Or if the sutra is not there, then between him and the place of his sajda. Okay? Because if it's after the place of sajda that they're passing, it's not a problem. You can't stop someone who's far away anyway. And you don't have the right over the entire earth. Okay? When you're praying salah. And someone asked a question that if someone is praying on a chair, you know, they're sitting on a chair and they're praying salah, where do they have to place their sutra? On the ground. Okay? Same thing. Because some people, what they do is that when they're praying, sitting down, they have a table or something in front of them and they do sajda on that. Remember that that is not correct. That is not correct. Because if you're not praying on the ground, you're praying on a bed or you're praying on a chair or something, then you will pray with gestures, exactly. So you will just gesture the sajda. You don't have to put your head on a table or something in order to do sajda. Okay, you will just bend down in order to do sajda. So your sutra will be at the same place as other people place it. You should not place a pillow or anything and then put your head on that. No, you just have to gesture. Okay, For the rukur you will bend slightly and for sajda you will bend even lower. Waradda and he pushed away who Ibn Umar Ibn Umar radhiyallahu anhu fit tashahud when he was sitting in tashahud and where was he wa fil Kaaba and inside the Kaaba Ibn Umar radhiyallahu anhu imagine he's sitting in tashahud someone's trying to pass in front of him he pushed him away he is praying inside the Kaaba someone tried to pass in front of him he pushed them away waqala and Ibn Umar said in aba if he refuses, meaning the one who is passing in front of you, if he refuses, illa except antuqatilahu that you fight him, meaning that you use force against him, then go ahead, faqatilhu, then go ahead and use force against him. Qatilhu doesn't mean raise a sword against them, no, it means use force against them. You know, one is that you just use your hand as a barrier, and then immediately the person gets a message. And sometimes they don't get a message, they, they keep coming. So, you know, use a little bit of force against them. That, no, you can't come this way. If you must do that to stop them, then go ahead and do that. Now, there's two things that we see here in the action of Ibn Umar. First of all, that he's in tashahud. Towards the end of the prayer, still he did not allow someone to pass in front of him. So it doesn't matter which part of the prayer you're in, at the beginning or the end. It doesn't matter. At the beginning, the end, the middle, it doesn't matter. You should not allow anyone to pass in front of you. Secondly, we see that inside the Kaaba, he did not let anyone pass in front of him. So what about the surrounding areas of the Kaaba, Masjid al-Haram? If you're praying over there and someone tries to pass in front of you, should you let that happen? No, you should not let that happen. You should stop them. Haddathana Abu Ma'mar قال حدثنا عبد الوارث قال حدثنا يونس عن حميد بن هلال عن ابي صالح ان ابا سعيد قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ح وحدثنا ادم بن ابي اياس قال حدثنا سليمان بن المغيره قال حدثنا حميد بن هلال العدوي قال حدثنا ابو صالح السمان قال رايت ابا سعيد الخدري he said i saw abu sa'id al-khudri fi yawm al-jumu'ah on the day of friday yusalli he was praying ila shay'in towards something yasturuhu that was concealing him min al-nas from the people so basically he had a sutra in front of him while he was praying فَأَرَادَ So he intended شَابٌ A young boy Min from Bani Abi Mu'ayt From the clan of Abu Mu'ayt A boy from that clan, from that tribe He wanted أَن يَجْتَازَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ That he should pass, he should cross From right in front of him Okay, so not from behind the sutra But before that فَدَّفَعَ أَبُو سَعِيدٍ فِي صَدْرِهِ So Abu Sa'id رضي الله عنه He pushed him slightly Where? In his chest. So that boy is trying to pass, so he kind of pushed him on his chest in order to stop him. So the young boy, he looked around. What just happened and where am I supposed to go? So he did not find any way to pass. Masag means mamar. Meaning he didn't find any other place to pass by illa except from before him. Because sometimes it happens that you are trapped in such a spot that you just have to wait for the person to finish praying so that you can go. Because otherwise there is no way. So he looked around, he couldn't find any other way. So instead of waiting, what did he do? Fa'ada. 
So he repeated, لِيَجْتَازَ That he should cross. Uh, meaning, from in front of him. فَدَفَعَهُ أَبُوْ سَعِيدٍ So Abu Sa'id, he pushed him again. أَشْهَدَّ مِنَ الْأُولَى Stronger than the first. Meaning now he was, he was more forceful. فَنَالَ مِنْ أَبِي سَعِيدٍ So that boy, he got really upset. And نَالَ Meaning he caused to reach Abu Sa'id. In other words, that he said words against him. Meaning he abused him. He insulted him basically. So he insulted Abu Sa'id. Like people do sometimes, they get upset that how dare you push me and who do you think you are? They're praying and people start insulting. So, فَنَالَ مِنْ أَبِي سَعِيدٍ He insulted him and then ثُمَّ دَخَلَ عَلَى مَرْوَانِ Then he went to Marwan, the governor. فَشَكَ إِلَيْهِ And he complained to him. مَا لَقِيَ What he received مِنْ أَبِي سَعِيدٍ from Abu Sa'id. وَدَخَلَ أَبُو سَعِيدٍ خَلْفَهُ And Abu Sa'id, he came after him. He said, go ahead, you're complaining. I'll come and clarify as to why I did that. عَلَى مَرْوَان On Marwan, meaning he came to Marwan. فَقَالَ So he said, meaning Marwan asked, مَالَكَ What happened to you? وَلِبْنِ أَخِيكَ And to your nephew. Meaning, why did you do that to your nephew? Was he really his nephew? Allahu alam. But even if he wasn't, he was an Arab and there must have been some kind of relationship between them. And besides, a young boy. So he said, مَالَكَ وَلِبْنِ أَخِيكَ يَا أَبَا سَعِيدٍ أَوْ أَبُو سَعِيدٍ قال he said, سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saying that إِذَا صَلَّى أَحَدُكُمْ When one of you is praying إِلَى شَيْءٍ towards something يَسْتُرُهُ مِنَ النَّاسِ That is conceding him from the people فَأَرَادَ أَحَدٌ Then anyone intends أَن يَجْتَازَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ That he crosses before you meaning he wants to pass in front of you فَلْيَدْفَعْهُ then he should stop him. He should prevent him. فَإِنْ أَبَى So if he refuses, فَلْيُقَاتِلْهُ He should use force against him. Why? فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ شَيْطَانِ Because indeed it is shaytan. It doesn't mean that that human being is shaytan literally. But what it means is that he has done the action of shaytan. فِعْلُهُ فِعْلُ الشَّيْطَانِ Okay? Or that who has prompted him to do this? Shaytan has prompted him to do this. Because many times it happens that if a person uses his mind and he just waits for a few moments and he looks around, he will find some way or the other to go without passing in front of someone who is praying. But what happens? We say, oh, there's no time. I have to go right now. I have to go quickly. Or you see that the person is sitting in tashahud. They're going to say salam within a few minutes, within a few seconds probably. But what happens? People are like, oh, it's okay. I see that in Makkah, everybody passes in front of her judge. So it's not a big deal. I can go. Who pushes people to, to do this? Shaitan. Because this hastiness is from who? Shaitan. Al-ajala min shaitan Right? So over there, you need to stop yourself. Hold yourself back. Sabr, right? Control yourself. Hold yourself back. And look around. That Where can I go from? Or how long will I have to wait? Or can I find something that I can put in front of this person as a sutra? And then walk. Alright? But this shows to us that if we ignore the person who is praying, if we don't take this matter seriously, then what are we doing? The action of shaitan. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّمَا who is shaitan? The one who passes in front of the musalli, who is he? Shaitan. We don't want to be shaitan. So even if it takes you 10 minutes of wait time, you have to stand there, wait for the person to finish, do that. But don't be a shaitan. This is a very serious matter. But unfortunately, we don't pay much attention to it. And also we learned that the Prophet ﷺ did not let that lamb pass by in front of him. So this shows that... This issue is not just restricted to adults or those of sound mind and understanding, those of maturity, but rather anyone, anything. So even children should be stopped. They should be trained. They should be trained. So we see that children, you know, at a certain age, they develop a sense of their surroundings, meaning they begin noticing things that they weren't noticing earlier. They become more conscious about themselves and about other people. So at that age, they should also be taught not to pass in front of the person who is praying. Now there is a question. What if you are praying salah, someone is trying to pass in front of you and you stop them and you use force against them and they push your arm even harder and they walk right in front of you. Then in that situation, what are you supposed to do? You did your part 
So you're not sinful. The sin is on who? The other person. Because you stopped them, but still they insisted. So the sin is on them. And how much is that sin? How great is that sin? Bab ithm al-marri bayna yaday al-musalli. The sin of al-mar, the one who passes bayna yaday before al-musalli, the one who's praying. Meaning, what is that sin? You know, one is that a person passes accidentally, without knowledge. And if everyone practiced the sunnah, that if someone is passing in front of you, you stop them, these accidents won't happen as much. So if someone passes by accidentally, no one stopped them, that's a different situation. But if someone was stopped, but yet they deliberately passed, then what is that sin? حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن أبي النضر مولى عمر بن عبيد الله عن بسر بن سعيد أن زيد بن خالد أرسله زيد بن خالد sent him إلى أبي جهيم to أبو جهيم يسأله to ask him ماذا سمع what is it that he heard من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم في concerning الماري بين يدي المصلي what is the sin of the one who passes in front of the musalli? فَقَالَ أَبُو جُهَيْمِ أَبُو جُهَيْمِ He said, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الْمَارُ بَيْنَ يَدَيِ الْمُصَلِّي If the person who is passing in front of the musalli, if he knew, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ If he only knew, مَا ذَا عَلَيْهِ What is the sin that he is earning? مَا ذَا عَلَيْهِ Lakana, surely he was an yaqifa, that he would stand, he would stop arba'ina, forty. He would stop for how long? Forty. And if he stopped for forty, khayra lahu, it would be better for him. Min than an yamurra bayna yadayhi, that he should pass in front of him. Qala Abu Nadr, la adri, I do not know, aqala arba'ina yawman, aw shahran, aw sanatan. The narrator, he said, I don't know if Abu Juhaym said 40 days, 40 months, or 40 years. But in the riwayah of Ibn Bazzar, we learned that Arba'ina Kharifan has been mentioned, and Kharifa means Sana. So 40 years. If he knew about the sin that he would incur of passing in front of someone who was praying, then he would rather wait for 40 years. Just imagine. 40 years is a lifetime. It could be a life sentence for someone. Just imagine, standing there for 40 years, waiting for the person to finish, and then he would go. But at that time, shaitan makes waiting for 10 seconds so heavy, waiting for 2 minutes so heavy. At that time, we need to remember this hadith. She's mentioning about someone who passed in front of another person who was praying, and they even stopped them, but they still went. They refused to stop. They went. They went, made tea, and it fell on them, and they suffered with the burn for about 15 days. This is just in dunya, and it's only 15 days. This hadith is very serious. First of all, it's an authentic hadith. It is from Sahih Bukhari, so there is no doubt about it. And then on top of that, the warning is clear. But this matter is taken very, very lightly. We say, oh, what's the big deal? And in certain cultures we see that this is taken as a very big deal. And unfortunately, people are made fun of. Or oh, you've never been to... Makkah, you don't know what Saudis do, and Saudis, they know their religion, and you don't know their religion that much. You just follow culture. No, this is not culture. This is part of our deen, that when someone is praying, you do not pass in front of them. This is a major sin. So the responsibility is on both people, the person who's praying, and the person who's trying to pass. The person who's praying, he is supposed to stop the other. Because you don't want any other person to incur such Great sin, just because you didn't stop them. Just because you didn't remind them. First of all, they are beyond the place of sajda. Okay, so it's okay. That distance is fine. And secondly, they're not passing. They're just going to come and lie down over there. So that's not an issue. You can go from behind them, but you cannot pass in front of them. That's okay. That's fine. You're not passing in front of them. Okay, because remember that before the musalli is his Lord. Right? And so you're not supposed to go between a person and his Lord. Okay? You don't break your prayer. Uh, if there is some space behind you, then you move back. Okay? You can move a little to the front, to the side, to the back, a step or two to have a 
you know, a screen in front of you or to have a safe distance in front of you, that's fine. Like for example, you could be in a public place and you didn't put a sutra in front of you and there are people who are not Muslim, they have no idea and they start walking right in front of you and it's not just one person, it's going to be 20, 30 students. So in that case, what should you do? Move back a little bit. In your tashahud, move back. In your rukur, move back. Or if there's a pillar or something by your side, then move towards that. In your salah, you can do that. باب استقبال الرجل صاحبه أو غيره في صلاته وهو يصلي استقبال الرجل A person, a man, facing. Facing who? Because استقبال, from قبلة, right? So he's facing صاحبه, his companion, أو غيره, or someone other than his companion, في صلاته, in his prayer, وهو يصلي, while he is praying. Meaning, a person is facing his companion or someone else, in his prayer, while he is praying, while he is performing the salah. So, one is that you have an object in front of you as a sutra. And the other is that someone is sitting in front of you. Let's say with their back towards you or with their side towards you. Can you have them as sutra? Or, if they're sitting there, is it permissible for them to sit there or should you ask them to move? Many times it happens that you go to the masjid, you join the jama'ah, the congregation, you joined in late, you missed a rakah. Alright? And then what happens? Because you're standing in the back row, there are people sitting in front of you. Jamara is finished. The sutra of the imam is not applicable for you anymore and you don't have any sutra in front of you. The row that is right in front of you, there's people that are sitting over there. Like right in front of the place of your sajda. Can they continue to sit there or should they move immediately? They can sit there. There's no harm. What if they're sitting sideways? Like for example, they were sitting and then they turned to the side to speak to someone. That's also fine. No problem. Okay? What's the evidence? Inshallah, we will learn about that. And sahibahu aw ghayrahu. Sahibahu, his friend. Ghayrahu, other than him. Other than him meaning someone who's not his friend. Someone who didn't pray with him. Or ghayrahu can also be understood as ghayral insan. So for example, an animal. Like we learned earlier, that a camel. The Prophet ﷺ had his camel in front of him when he was praying. وَكَرِهَ عُثْمَانِ And Uthman عنه, he disliked. What? أَنْ يُسْتَقْبَرَ الرَّجُلُ That a man is faced during the salah وَهُوَ يُصَلِّي while he is praying. Meaning, Uthman عنه, did not like to face another person while he was praying. He did not like anyone in front of him when he was praying. Even if it was the back of someone. Uh, and he did not like this for anyone else either. So we see that some people of knowledge did not like this. Why? Because then, the person who's sitting in front of you, they may be a distraction for you. That in your salah you start thinking, oh, who are they? What are they doing? Who are they talking to? Where are they going? Because they're right in front of you. Even though there's a safe distance between you and them, but still they're in front of you. So this is why some scholars, they disliked it. Imam Bukhari clarifies, وَإِنَّمَا هَذَا إِذَا اشْتَغَلَ بِهِ But this is when he will be distracted by him. So for instance, you're at the masjid, you're praying, someone is sitting in the row that is in front of you. And let's say they're talking too much. And you are getting distracted. Or their hijab is such that you're getting distracted. So in this situation, it is dislike that a person is in front of you. What should you do then? Move to the left or to the right, even during your salah. You can do that. Or if there's something by your side, you can place that in front of you as a sutra, and take a step back so that you have enough space in order to do sajda. So Imam Bukhari clarified, وَإِنَّمَا هَذَا إِذَا اشْتَغَلَ بِهِ فَأَمَّا then as for إِذَا لَمْ يَشْتَغِلْ When he does not get distracted, فَقَدْ قَالَ زَيْدُ بْنُ سَابِتْ Then Zayd bin Sabit, he said, مَا بَالَيْتُ I don't care. Meaning it doesn't matter. إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ Because indeed a man لَا يَقْطَعُ صَلَاةَ الرَّجُلِ He does not break the prayer of another man. Meaning if a person is sitting Okay, then that will not invalidate the prayer of the musalli. What invalidates the prayer? Someone passing. But if someone is sitting, that does not break the prayer. So is this matter clear? So what if you are the person who's sitting and you look behind someone is praying right behind you? Do you have to move? You don't have to move. Because Aisha radiallahu anha, she'd be lying down. The Prophet ﷺ would come and pray. He would be facing the middle of the bed. So you're not required to move. It's one thing that you feel uncomfortable, so you move because of that, but remember that you're not required to move. You don't remain sitting over there in order to be a sutra for someone. 
ideal is that you put them to the side. And if that's not possible, that you put them in front of yourself, but meaning position them sideways or their back towards you. Because remember that Aisha and her should be lying down. And also scholars have said from the fact that she was lying down, we assume that the wife of the Prophet ﷺ would lie down on her right side facing the Qibla. So that means her back was towards the Prophet ﷺ. So it's okay if someone's back is towards you. Some scholars allowed that the other person can even face you as long as there is a safe distance. But others said that no, that is too much of a distraction. So Zaid bin Sabit, he said, إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَا يَقْطُعُ صَلَاةَ الرَّجُلُ The man does not invalidate the prayer of another man. What is he saying over here? What invalidates the prayer then of a man? If a dog passes by, if a donkey passes by, if a woman passes by, right? But not another man. And besides, they're not passing. They are sitting. And from this we also learn that a woman may take a woman as a sutra too. Obviously, her back. And a man may also take a woman as a sutra when she is sitting or lying down. But this will be in voluntary prayers as inshallah we will learn. حدثنا إسماعيل بن خليل حدثنا علي بن مسهر عن الأعمش عن مسلم يعني ابن صبيح عن مسروق عن عائشة أنه ذكر عندها ما يقطع الصلاة that it was mentioned in front of Aisha radiallahu anha what is it that nullifies the prayer فقالوا so they said يقطعها الكلب والحمار والمرأة the dog the donkey and the woman they break the prayer قالت she said قد جعلتمونا كلابا you have made us into dogs لقد رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي he was praying وإني and indeed I لا بينه وبين القبلة I was between him and between the قبلة وأنا ملطجعة and I was lying down على السرير on the bed فتكون للحاجة so I would have some need meaning let's say she had to drink some water or, or use the washroom فأكره so I would dislike أن أستقبله that I should face him فأنسلن سلالا so I would slip away meaning quietly وعن الأعمش عن إبراهيم عن الأسود عن عائشة نحوه so what do we see over here that Aisha عنها will be in front of the Prophet and when she's lying down we assume that her back was towards him and the words فأكره أن أستقبله I would dislike that I should face him. So we see that even that is permissible. Yes, you may not be comfortable with that, but it is permissible. Because if it wasn't permissible, she would not have done that. Bab as-salati khalf al-na'im. Salah behind someone who is asleep. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى قال حدثنا هشام قال حدثني أبي عن عائشة قالت she said كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي he would be praying وأنا راقدة and I would be sleeping معترضة lying down على فراشي on his bed فإذا أراد أن يوتر then when he would intend to perform his witr أي قضني he would wake me up فأوترت so I would also perform my witr because remember that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he would pray in the night he would stand in qiyam for a very long time. And his rukur would also be very long. And also that when he would be praying the Qiyamul Layl, he wouldn't wake his family up every day, every night. Why? Because it was mandatory on him, but not on his family. However, at the time of Witr, he would wake Aisha up. That would be in the case where she hadn't prayed her Witr, so that she could also get up and pray then. Bab at-tatawwuri khalf al-mar'ah. Voluntary prayers behind a woman. Tatawwur is what? Voluntary. So, can a man pray voluntary prayers behind a woman? And behind a woman, what does that mean? That she's leading? No. It means that she's sitting, let's say, in your living room. Your father, your husband, your brother, whoever. The men, they led. One of the men, he led others in salah. Let's say there's like three women and three men. And then what happens? After the salah, everybody's praying their sunnah. So your mother, she goes to the front of the hall and she's praying her sunnah over there. And the son, he's wondering, there's no space over there. Can I pray at the back of the hall? Or do I have to wait for her to finish and then I can go to the front and pray there? No. He can pray even though he is positioned behind her. When it comes to fard prayer, that will be in jama'ah. That is clear. Men in front women at the back. But when it comes to voluntary prayers, then women can be in the front and men can be at the back. 
Even if the woman is praying and the man is praying at the same time? Yes. And even if the woman is lying down or just sitting and the man goes to the back of the hall, end of the hall and he prays there? Yes. Because many times it happens at such family gatherings that men will just wait or they won't pray or the women, they will not go to the front and they will just stay at the back. No, after the fard salah, people can scatter all over the room and the arrangement doesn't matter. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن أبي النضر مولى عمر بن عبيد الله عن أبي سلمة بن عبد الرحمن عن عائشة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنها قالت that she said كنت أنام I used to sleep بين يدي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم right in front of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم ورجلايا في قبلتي and my feet would be in his قبلة فإذا سجد then he would go down to do sajda غمزني, he would nudge me فقبضت رجلي so I would fold my legs فإذا قام then when he would stand in prayer بسطهما I would extend my legs meaning I would straighten them قالت she said والبيوت يومئذ and the houses at that time ليس فيها مصابيح there were no lamps in there so because it was so dark this is why he couldn't really see my feet and I couldn't see when he would be coming down so he would just nudge me and I would fold my legs. And when he would go back in his qiyam, then I would stretch them out again. And the reason why she would be lying down over there was because the place was small. If they didn't have lamps, if they couldn't have lamps, if they couldn't afford oil, I mean, you can imagine the size of their rooms. And at the same time, the Prophet ﷺ would not disturb her sleep just because of his qiyam, and uh, nor was she forced to get up and pray at that time. And this also shows to us that in salah you are allowed to move a little bit when it is necessary for your salah. Okay, so for example, pick up something and put it as a sutra in front of you. You move a little bit to the right or to the left so that you can face a pillar, you know, so that it can be a sutra for you. That is permissible. Bab man qala la yaqta'u salata shay'un. Those who said la yaqta'u salata shay'un, nothing invalidates the prayer. Meaning, they said that even if someone passes in front of you, even that does not nullify the prayer. Because some scholars said that the salah is invalidated, it is broken by the action of the musalli. Not some external factor. Action of the musalli, like for example, he starts talking, alright, or he breaks the prayer himself, or he breaks his wudu, that is going to break his prayer. But an external factor that he doesn't have much control over, that will not break the prayer. So for example, they said, even if a dog runs in front of you while you're praying, it should not break your prayer. Why? Because you don't have control over the dog. It's not your fault. Alright? That's what they said. And what's their evidence? حدثنا عمر بن حفص قال حدثنا أبي قال حدثنا الأعمش قال حدثنا إبراهيم عن الأسود عن عائشة قال الأعمش وحدثني مسلم عن مسروق عن عائشة ذكر عندها it was mentioned near her ما يقطع الصلاة what nullifies the prayer الكلب والحمار والمرأة فقالت so she said شبهتمونا بالحمر والكلاب you have resembled us with donkeys and dogs والله and by Allah لقد رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي I saw the Prophet صلى and and I was on the bed between him and the qibla lying down so a need of mine would come meaning I would have to go to fulfill some need so I dislike that I should sit up because that would annoy the Prophet meaning it would be a distraction for him because he was so focused in his prayer you know it's like someone is praying with so much focus then you become very careful in the way that you move as well so she was extra careful so she disliked to sit in front of him So I would slip from next to his feet Meaning I would slip away from there Let's read the next hadith as well حدثنا إسحاق قال أخبرنا يعقوب بن إبراهيم قال حدثني ابن أخي بن شهاب أنه سأل عمه عن الصلاة He asked his uncle about the prayer يقطعها شيء What is it that nullifies it فقال So he said لا يقطعها شيء Nothing breaks the prayer he said, nothing breaks the prayer. أخبرني عروة بن الزبير أن عائشة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قالت She said, لقد كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقوم He would be standing in prayer فيصلي من الليل He would pray in the night وإني لمعترضة I would be lying down بينه وبين القبلة Between him and the قبلة على فراش أهلي On the bed of his family Meaning on the shared bed. So 
what do we see over here? That there is ikhtilaf in this matter. Some scholars said that the three, they do nullify the prayer. And others said that no, they do not nullify the prayer. The majority of the scholars, they say that the passing of a black dog and a donkey will nullify the prayer. But the woman, she will not nullify the prayer. Why? Because of the staunch um, opposition of Aisha. And also they said that because given that Aisha is lying down and then she gets up and she moves away. So there is still some movement over there. So because of that, they said that it will not nullify the prayer unless the man is distracted. Unless he is distracted. If he is distracted, that is his fault. Okay, Because he should control himself. He should have some kind of self-control. But if he lacks that and as a result, he got really distracted, then that has nullified his prayer. So he should repeat the prayer. However, majority of the scholars said the passing of a woman will not nullify the prayer. But Keeping all of this in mind, what do we understand for ourselves? What's the lesson? That do not pass in front of someone who's praying ever for your own good and for their good. Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiru wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.